0: I actually started off in that cottage right over there, Lennon Cottage, Mm -hmm. and then the teenage girls' cottage, the house mom, she broke her wrist, so some of the teenager girls had to come live with us, so now I'm at Stowe Cottage over there. I've never been away from my parents a lot. Coming here, I mean not every child wants to be away from their parents. Some children do because some children's parents don't even care about them sometimes. It's hard to talk about mostly. Because I don't really like talking about my past because I've had hard hard times. have let me down a lot well before I came here I didn't know I didn't know God I didn't even well I went to church but it didn't even get to me a lot I got saved the day last year I mean, the year before that, the day before school ended for summer. Then October first, I got baptized. Great, I loved it. It was fun. My actually, my house dad he he baptized me at church. Some of these kids really need it a lot. When I first came here, I, don't, I didn't feel. Belonged here but once I got to know everybody and I started making friends here then I felt like I was actually fitting in. I want to do a lot of things for my future but the only person that knows who what I'm going to do is God. I want to be in the Air Force. want to be, I want to be a house parent here. I also want to be a baker and a teacher, so I don't know what I want to do. I love children, little children. I love them. They're, they're adorable. They're, they're (gasps) hard-headed and they're stubborn, but I still love them.
1: We take hard-headed, stubborn children at the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes, and uh, we love on them in the name of Jesus and try to uh, do what we can to make their lives better. It is a great joy to be with you at First Baptist Church Goodlettsville. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, your pastor and some of your staff and some of your people are off in Denver, Colorado. They say they're on a mission trip. you believe that? It's oh, great. You've got a church plan out there that they're doing a sports camp this week and uh, we're praying that uh, some kids come to know the Lord as a result of uh, interacting with the church there and with the team from here. So I'm blessed to give, be given the opportunity to uh, be at First Baptist. It gives me the opportunity to say a couple things to you and one of those is thank you. Thank you for, I think you take some kind of loving Jesus World Missions offering. What do they call it around here? You got a name for it near, Chris, near the end of the year um, and you take a, what is it? Day of extravagant That's a wonderful name. Day of Extravagant Giving. Well, you give us a slice of that pie at the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes. Thank you for that. Uh, you're helping us take care of kids like Faith. Um, Faith came to us as a sibling. She and her siblings, there's four of them, her dad. Father's Day. Her dad was trying to figure out what's the best thing I can do for my kids because I'm about to go to prison and do some time. And uh, her mom's not in her life. And he reached out to us and we said, uh, we'll take care of your kids while you do your time. And so that's actually already happened. He's already out. Um, we took care of his, his children. He didn't have to worry about them. When he places those children with us in one of our residential campuses, he doesn't lose custody of those kids. Uh, we get power of attorney uh, so that we can take them to school and take them to the doctor and things like that. But uh, when he got out, he's still their dad. And so we were able to reunify his children with him when he got out and found employment. And uh place to live, all those kinds of things, that's, that's kind of where we fill the gaps sometimes. Um, so well, thank you for helping us do that. When your church gives to the cooperative program, uh, we get four cents on the dollar that goes to the cooperative program. And so those two gifts, direct gifts from churches and the cooperative program of the Tennessee Baptist Convention, that's half of our support. Um, and then we get the other half through people who care about it, what we do, businesses and uh, some investment income and uh, some uh, estate income. People leave us in their wills and we sometimes know about it ahead of time and sometimes we hear about it when their attorney calls and says, hey, uh, you are the recipients of, uh, of a gift because of someone's love for children uh, that they put in their will years ago. And then they've left us some money. And sometimes that's a little bit of money and sometimes that's a lot of bit of money. In fact, uh, two weeks ago, I think we got the word we're about to receive $405,000 from an estate gift of... Uh, someone that just cared about the children, and uh, so they lived their life, they saved, they invested, and they left some stuff behind. Now my goal is to spend all my kids' money um, before I'm gone, so I don't know if they'll have that, but we want to leave a little bit to the children too, don't we? That money will go to, to minister to kids. Uh, sometimes they leave it in a trust fund, and so it's going to care for kids until Jesus comes back, uh, earning interest off that money each year. So thank you, First Baptist Goodsville, for keeping the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes on your radar. Thank you for caring enough about kids like Faith. There's 150 of them we're taking care of today. Some of those kids are going to be on our residential campuses. That means we have a campus in Chattanooga, 32 children down there, a campus in Brentwood, can have 32 children in Brentwood and we've got a boys ranch right now we call it the ranch because one day we hope to expand and it have actually some girls maybe across the street Uh, but it's the ranch and there's 24 beds for teenage boys right now Uh, it's a 250 acre working cattle ranch Uh, our fences are for our cows not our boys Uh, so if they choose to run they can run and sometimes they do uh, but hopefully we we kind of find most of them. Uh, I think actually a, a young lady from Chattanooga ran one time and we didn't find her for a year. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Uh, I think the police even stopped looking because they kind of had an idea where she went. But she came up a year later. So we try to hang on to these kids and love on them. But, you know, we're, we're not a prison. And um, but we want to make a difference in their lives. Why do kids come to us? Some people ask that question. Well, I've told you about faith and her siblings. Um, we've ministered to people who might be homeless. Uh, just a few months ago was a homeless lady in Nashville, three children uh, living in their vehicle. And so we were able to take care of her kids while she, she was working. She just, you know, it's hard to make a living in middle Tennessee. When you start with, you start being homeless, it's hard to get ahead to find a deposit to put down on a place and pay that rent and have reliable transportation. So we were able to take care of her kids while she was trying to get on her feet. Sometimes these children have been adopted, um, they were maybe adopted as younger children. Uh, they experienced trauma in their first few years. And then when they turn into teenagers with all the things that start happening in their body and in their mind, uh, behavior begins to display itself that families didn't see coming. So we've got families who are not bad parents. In fact, they're good parents. But their children, their adopted children, are just acting out in ways that they don't know what to do with. They, they, they can't parent them like they parented their biological children. If you've ever parented traumatized children, you know that the things that might have worked on your biological children that didn't have trauma might not work with kids who've experienced trauma. For instance, uh, you know, when, when I was got out of line as a kid, my dad jerked me up by my arm and kicked me in the seat of the pants and I'd stay on the straight and narrow for a day or two, you know, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's just kind of the way that works. But you can do that all day long to a kid who's experienced trauma. You can do it, but it doesn't work. And so what leads what it leads to is frustration and finally, hey, we've got to have some help. We've got to have some help. And so sometimes we're the answer for that family to take care of their child for a while, to work with them, also work with the family. Always our goal is to reunify children with their families. If that's not possible, let's say the court terminates parental rights of parents, then we want to try to find a family to adopt uh, those kids if parents lose custody. So that's all kinds of goes on in residential care on those three campuses. In addition to those children, we do foster care across the state of Tennessee, and so we enlist uh, Christian foster parents. Uh, Our staff enlists them, our staff trains them, our staff writes their home studies, our staff will be in their home when kids come uh, into their home, and then our staff continues to walk with them through that journey of foster care, often leading to uh, adoption. I think we've seen five or six children adopted so far this year, Uh, at least that many more is on schedule to happen before the year is over. So we're trying to find children permanent homes as well. We think children need at least two things. Uh, We think children need a family, and we think children need a church. Um, And so, our kids today, if they're on one of our campuses, um, they got up and they're in church somewhere this morning, barring somebody's not sick. Our foster families, we don't have a whole lot of control over what they do, but that's why we enlist Christian foster families who are involved in their local church. You don't have to be a Baptist. You just need to be an evangelical Christian that loves the Lord and you're living your faith. Uh, So we anticipate then that part of their routine is worshiping regularly uh, with their church family. And so either way, it exposes children to the good news of Jesus and we want to share that with children in age appropriate ways so that seeds are planted. And, uh, and sometimes we see kids come to know the Lord uh, because of their presence at the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes. So thank you for helping us do what we do and taking care of kids who found themselves in hard places, most of the time of no fault uh, of their own. It's a joy to be in worship with Ben and Stephanie Bruce. Um, They're pretty good folks. We actually worked together at First Baptist Church in Portland, and uh, where I pastored for 16 years prior to going to the children's home four and a half years ago. uh, Ben was worship leader there, and uh, Stephanie happened to be my. Um, ministry assistant at First Baptist Portland. And so when uh, the time came for the search team to look for the new president, came knocking on my door and, and we began to sense the Lord might be doing something to transition to the children's homes. Uh, I also knew that Dr. Millsouts my predecessor, his, his uh, ministry assistant had retired already. So that I knew if I was going to be the president, I would hire my own ministry assistant. And They don't make them any better than Stephanie Bruce, and so I said, Stephanie, here's what's going on, um, and I'd like to take you with me if I can, and uh, actually Ben and Stephanie talked about that, prayed about that. They were in before I was in. Uh, she said, you go, I'll go. And so thank the Lord for that. So Stephanie set up a table right outside there in the hallway. If you want more information or want to be on our newsletter list, you get a quarterly-like magazine uh, keeping you up with what's going on. Uh, you're welcome to sign up for that, and we'll send that to you, take some information. Maybe you're interested in fostering or supporting those in your community who do. Stephanie can give you information on that kind of stuff when we're finished today. Um, so it's good to be with them because we've, we've known each other now for a long time, been good friends, uh, have served together in kingdom work uh, in various roles, and glad to have my wife and my daughter, her husband, and his parents uh, with us today as well. They said we better go because nobody will show up if they know Greg's coming. So um, here they are. So we've got at least a few rows, one row of people. Um, but it is a joy ...to be with you, and I appreciate very much the opportunity. It's Father's Day. I join Ben and sing Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, so some of you guys, you know, Father's Day is like Mother's Day. It can be a weird time. Um, you know, I, I, at Mother's Day I was preaching in Portland, and, and we talked about the fact that, you know, maybe it's a hard day for you. You know, maybe it's a weird day for you. Maybe maybe your dad is, uh, was here last year, and he's going to be with the Lord since then. And and your heart's a little heavy today. It might be your first Father's Day without your father on, on the earth. You know, um, maybe you didn't have the father you should have had. You know, maybe he, he maybe he was absentee, maybe he was just mean, maybe even abusive. Maybe. And so Father's Day is a day that you know you just kind of endure it. You figure the preacher may mention it. Uh, and so, you, and maybe hey, you didn't stay away, but maybe some fact, folks decide, hey, you know what? It's just such a weird day. I'm going to wait till next Sunday to get that. So, whatever your experience is, um, you've got a opportunity to have a perfect Father, and that's a heavenly Father. It's a different kind of Father. You know, earthly Fathers meant they're. We cannot overstate their impact on people's lives. In fact, let me share with you, um, 71% of high school dropouts are in fatherless homes. 71% of a high school dropout, their father's not engaged in their life. 85% of incarcerated youth, 85% of young people who are in lockup, their father has not been engaged in their life fatherless home 90% of children who are runaways or who are homeless 90% of those kids their father was not in, have not been involved in their lives so it's hard to overstate the impact that a father has in the home. And thank God for some moms who've been single moms and, and have really done all they can do to take care of the children. And thank God for sometimes churches that have come in and been those fathers for children that need uh, a male, positive male role model in their life. So whatever your experience has been, we have a heavenly father who's a different kind of father. Who will never abandon you, never forsake you, never abuse you, never neglect you, never be an absentee father. I'm thankful for my own dad today. His name's Bill. And, uh, I I had a, I had a blessed kind of childhood. You know, I, my mom and dad, I was a Baptist nine months before I was born because they always had me around uh, church. We, they were going to church in Crossville, Tennessee, where I grew up. And uh, as I grew up, I have many memories of being around uh, stuff to do with church, you know, involved in Sunday morning worship and in Sunday school. And back in the day when we used to check the boxes, did you bring an offering? Did you read your Bible every day? You stand for preaching? Uh, you know, we should check those little boxes on the offering envelopes. Um, I was a part of training union. Anybody remember training union? Okay. Most of you like, what is that? You know, discipleship training that we kind of called it. Um, involved in church on Sunday night, involved on Wednesday night. If we weren't at church and we were going camping or something, who are we camping with? Church people. You know, if we're going out to eat, who are we going out to eat with? Church. We're always around our, our church family when I was growing up. So my family and my church family was huge in my spiritual development. Um, and so I'm thankful for my dad who, Took that serious enough that he had me around. I was late for training union. Uh, well, actually, I didn't show up for training union one, thir- one Sunday afternoon, and uh, so I showed up for preaching. Who's in the parking lot waiting on me? My dad. I'm driving. I'm 17 years old, and I can't miss training union every now and then. Nope. According to my dad, I couldn't. So he's waiting on me. Said, "Boy, where you been?" So I confessed and. And uh, I didn't miss training union anymore. You know, I was there. Wasn't the most exciting hour of the day. But hey, my dad said, this is where you're supposed to be. Uh, so dad was there. Now, my dad has been a great dad to me. I love him dearly. Uh, but he's not a perfect dad. I've certainly not been a, a perfect dad. You've probably not been a perfect dad. In fact, I would say you've not been a perfect dad. We're not looking for perfect that's where the heavenly father comes in he is perfect so if you've missed that earthly father that you needed oh please know that your heavenly father he wants to fill all those gaps he wants to bring healing to your heart and healing to your mind and he can be relied upon so i want to point you today to your heavenly father who is a good good father Dads, here's the bottom line. We need you today to be men who walk with God. We need you to walk with God. We don't expect you to have a perfect walk, to never make a mistake, to never think something wrong or say something wrong or discipline us in a wrong way or for a wrong reason. We don't expect you to be perfect, but we expect you to be walking with God. But what does it mean? to walk with God. In fact, this is what we want for the children at the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes. We want kids to grow up to be people who walk with God. And so that's why we want to introduce them to him. um, And that's why it's such an important role for us dads to help our kids at least have the opportunity to walk with God. Let's think about that this morning as we look at some scripture in uh, Genesis chapter 5. We hear of a man named Enoch. You familiar with Enoch? Maybe you know a little bit about Enoch. Let's read a little bit of the scripture. It doesn't have a ton of information on Enoch, but it's got some significant information. In chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years And fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. Interesting words. You know, Genesis 5 is just a a history lesson of all the descendants of Adam. So Enoch is the great-great-great-great-great-grandson of Adam. And about everybody in Genesis 5, it tells who they are, their first kid, how many years they lived after that, and this is how many years, and they died. Only about Enoch does it say, Enoch walked with God. Now in chapter 6, you will find those same words about Enoch's grandson, who was Noah. And the Bible says about Noah, that Noah walked with God. With God, But only in chapter 5 do you see that Enoch walked with God. Now Enoch is mentioned, let's see, he's the father of Methuselah. Y'all know Methuselah, right? If you don't know Methuselah, you've heard people say, I'm as old as Methuselah, or he's as old as Methuselah. Why do they say that? Because Methuselah lived 969 years. And that's the record. His father... His grandfather, rather. Enoch's father was Jared. He lived 962 years. Here's the lesson. Nobody remembers you if you come in second. I mean, 962 years is pretty significant, is it not? But we don't talk about he's as old as Jared. No, we say as old as Methuselah. Because he got him seven more years, 969 years. So that's the father. His father was Enoch. Now, Enoch's also mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus In Luke chapter 3, there is a prophecy of Enoch quoted in Jude. Jude's just one chapter and it's in the 14th verse. And he's included in the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11. Here's what Hebrews 11 verse 5 says about Enoch. By faith Enoch was taken away and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away... He was approved as one who pleased God. So this is an interesting story, is it not? That Enoch lived in his day not a tremendously long time, 365 years, but he was just gone. The Lord took him away the reason he walked with God. So what does it mean then to be a person who walks with God? Well, if you're going to walk with God, the first thing we need to say is, you got to begin with God. There's got to be a beginning point somewhere in there. And we don't have this information on Enoch. My guess is Enoch's father, Jared, and Enoch's mom, they told them, they told Enoch and his brothers and sisters about this creator God who created the heavens and the earth. And they talked about Adam and Eve, his great great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And they talked about Eve. And they talked about sin. And they talked about the garden and being removed from the garden. They talked about restitution for sin. They talked about, they taught their children about the creator, all-powerful, one true and living God. Somewhere along the way, Enoch had to say, you know what? I believe that. And for himself, make a decision that God is God and I will walk with him. I want to please him. I want to hear from him. I want to serve him. Enoch had to make a decision that he will accept what his mom and dad and other people in the community told him was truth. And he could see it in nature. He could see the evidence of God all around him. And he was confirmed in his heart that God is God. And he decided to follow him. There's got to be a beginning point. Did you hear about the baby that was fed elephant's milk For a month and in one month that baby gained 25 pounds. Did you read about that? Well, that was a baby elephant. You you feed a baby elephant, elephant's milk for a month. It's going to gain 25 pounds. You could feed a human baby all the elephant's milk it could consume for a month. And it's not going to gain 25 pounds in a month. Well, sometimes we in the church, we act like that toward people. We think people ought to act like a Christian and look like a Christian and talk like a Christian and think like a Christian and behave like a Christian and respond to circumstances like a Christian before they've ever become a Christian. In fact, that's what our society thinks we think of them. Outside these walls in the Goodlettsville community, there's a lot of folks who think, I can't go down there to that First Baptist Church in Goodlettsville. There's too many things wrong with me. I've got to get some things right in my life. I've got to stop doing this or start doing that or stop saying this or start saying that. I've got to change some things before I show up down there. Well, and you and I know that's not the way it works. You know, God cleans them after he catches them. With your, your fishing analogy, uh, you know, we catch them, God cleans them. We get cleaned up after we've come to know the Lord. We can't expect people to act like Christians before they're ever a Christian. There's got to be a beginning point if people are going to walk with God. And for us in this day, after Jesus has lived on the earth, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, here's the way that starts with us. There's the Holy Spirit of God who brings conviction on our heart. Conviction of sin. He convinces us of God's love for us. We finally come to the place where we believe That he is the way, the the truth, and the life. That Jesus did die on the cross for my sin personally. And I'll accept that. And I'll repent. And I'll ask the Lord to take control of my life. That's the beginning point of a walk with God. Is a place where we've said, Lord, I place my faith in you. And I don't know your story. Maybe it was dramatic. Maybe it was like Saul. You remember Saul who turned into Paul? He's... Blinded by a light and his eyes are covered with scales for three days and, uh, he hears voices and he talks personally with Jesus. How dramatic of a, of a testimony is that? Maybe yours is like that. I've heard some pretty crazy testimonies of people that have wild and hellions and they've come to know the Lord. Uh, mine? That's rather boring. You remember that nine months before I was born stuff? That's just kind of where I was. That's kind of life my family lived. And it's in that place that as a young teenager, I, I decided that, you know what? I do believe that Jesus loves me and died for me. And I do understand that I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And I need a Savior. I didn't know everything about it. I just knew that something was stirring my heart. And I needed to trust God and walk with the Lord. It's in that same church that I surrendered to preach the gospel as a 17-year-old, so my, my, my story is nothing dramatic, not crazy. But hey, somebody t- told me once, that's the best kind. You know, avoid some of this other crazy stuff and raise your family to love the Lord and to serve the Lord and to know the Lord and give them opportunity. You can't make your child believe. You can't make your grown children do what you want them to. But give them the opportunity to be exposed to the gospel. That's what we do at the children's homes. We just expose them to the truth of the gospel, love on them like Jesus wants us to, treat them like we should treat them, and somewhere in there, maybe he'll cultivate in their heart an understanding of who he is and they'll trust him as Lord. That's kind of what we do. There's got to be a beginning point if there's a walk with God. What's your story? What's your story? How how did your walk begin? Some of you have to think a long time ago, oh man, this is the way things were. And some maybe not so long, maybe it's recent, maybe you're, maybe you're a new believer. And some of you are like, you know, I want, my, I want my story to start, I want my walk to begin. You're in the right place today, but it's got to begin somewhere. Enoch's walk had to begin. But not only does it have to begin, a walk with God continues. Ah, oh, that's a good important point. Check this scripture out in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to him, this is Jesus talking. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Daily. Yes, daily. And follow me. So a walk with God is a continuation with God. It's just something once and done. It's something that will continue. You continue with God. Enoch walked with God every day. In other words... Enoch began with God and he continued. If things got hard, if things got difficult, if there were questions he couldn't answer, he continued to walk with God. If there were circumstances that happened, he couldn't explain. He continued to walk with God. He didn't just show up on the Sabbath and acknowledge God's presence. He didn't just every now and then when he realized he needed something, start asking God for stuff before he ever talked to him. Enoch had a walk with God. You know, it's like when you're walking with somebody. If you're walking with somebody, you typically are having a conversation. Now maybe you and your spouse have walked enough together that you can walk a little while in silence and, and that's okay. But typically you're having conversation. And if one of you gets further ahead than the other, you're no longer walking together. And if one of you is lagging behind, you're no longer walking together. And our walk with God must continue to be that, just that, a strong fellowship with him. We continue as we study His Word, uh, as we stay involved in worship, as we acknowledge His presence in our every day. It's a walk with God. It's a continual, and sometimes it's a continual conversation. You know, Paul says to not cease praying. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. How do you, you think, A minute. is that just praying all the time on your knees? Well, no, it just means as you're going through life, you're aware of God's presence, and sometimes you're having little conversations just in whatever you're doing. You're walking with God. It's a continuation. If you've stopped, you're no longer walking. And you want to be walking. How many of you remember a preacher by the name of Charles Simeon? Charles Simeon. There he is as a young man. If you don't remember him, I'm not going to fuss at you because he lived in the 1700s. Uh, Charles Simeon actually went to Cambridge University in England. And it was there as a freshman in college that he came to know the Lord. And soon after he came to the Lord, Charles Simeon became one of the fieriest preachers people had ever heard. I mean, he was just out there, just preaching hard uh, to people. And one day he was walking across the university campus at Cambridge, and in the center of that campus is the Holy Trinity Church. And he just breathed a prayer to the Lord as he was walking, and he said, Lord, would you allow me to be the pastor of this church so that I could proclaim the gospel from the center of this university campus? Well, in about 1784, God granted his request. He, became, he was appointed as pastor of the Holy Trinity Church. He could not have been more excited about anything in his life. But not everybody was excited. There were leaders in the church They wanted their pastor to have a little bit more uh, of a distinguishing air about him. Wanted his vocabulary to be a little deeper. Didn't need that fiery preaching that Charles Simeon tended to do. And so they literally, I don't know if my mic's about to go or not, but just hang in there with me, okay? So they literally, leaders in the church, they blocked the entrance to the pews at the Holy Trinity Church. You know, back in the day, there would be little doors on pews that you'd have to walk in, open the door. They would get there early and stand in front of their pews, and they would prevent worshipers from sitting down. If you worshiped at Holy Trinity Church, you stood the entire service, and that went on for 10 years, 10 years. Personally, I'm like, hey, I've met some ugly Christians, and I've met some nice ones. I might leave these ugly ones and go see if I can't find some nice ones somewhere. But Charles said, the Lord's called me here. The Lord's given me this appointment. And he continued. When days were hard, when opposition was fierce, he could have melted in the heat of that opposition, but he didn't. He continued. After ten years, even those who opposed him were won over and Charles Simeon pastored the Holy Trinity Church for 54 years. 54 years he pastored that church. Why? Because he didn't stop walking. He he started and he continued, even through tough times. Folks, listen. Our walk with God must not only be talked about in past tense. Let's stop talking about all we used to do when today we're not doing anything. Now, we can talk about how things were and how things were with Ben and Stephanie and First Baptist Church and pastoring there and leading worship together, how fun that was, how good of a gig we had going. But we need to be talking about what's going on today. What are we doing today? How are we serving today? How are we walking today? Had a lady call me one time when I was pastoring at First Baptist. And um, I'd hurt her feelings. I had not responded to her in a way that she felt like I should have. She's going through some stuff in her life. Um, and she finally just called me and just let it all out. One of those conversations that you're just getting raked over the coals and your heart's starting to increase, your heart rate's increasing. You're trying to say, calm it down, calm it down, listen, don't say anything ugly, don't say anything, you know, trying to defend yourself, don't say anything that'd be hurtful. So finally, she was telling me all she used to do for that church. And that's what she called it, that church. And she was right. She did. But when she quit, you know, so what she's telling me about seven, eight years ago. And I'm like, well, what are you doing now? Don't Don't brag about what you used to do. What are you doing now? How are you walking now? Folks, we don't ever retire from kingdom work, do we? We start walking. We keep walking. It's a continuation. Don't let your walk only be talked about in past tense. What's going on now? How are you How are you growing now? What are you doing now? What difference are you making in the kingdom now? Finally, folks, for walk with God is a beginning with God. It's a continuation with God. And we finish with God. And man, did Enoch not have a strong finish. <laughs> it's an incredible finish. Scripture said that God took him. He was not there for God took him. Now, a little bit of me gets concerned about his family. You know, he's only 365 years old. And like one day, he's just not there anymore. Well, what about his wife, his kids? Where's dad? Where's, where's, where's my husband? He's just gone. But the other side of that is, Enoch was walking with God. And God decided, you're not going to experience physical death. Is that not incredible? That he's just gone. And the scripture says God took him. It means he fetched him. He snatched him. If you love the King James Version, he was translated. If you're a Star Trek geek, he was beamed up. But he was gone. It's like Elijah being taken up in a whirlwind. How many people get to escape physical death? Not many. Not many. He finished strong. That is the most amazing part of this story, is it not? That God took him, but it's not the most significant part. Yes, it's amazing, but the significant part is the walk. You see, Enoch couldn't do anything about escaping death. But he could do something about the walk. You and I, we have no control. Now, we can be healthy and prolong our lives, but ultimately we have no control. Of the way our life will end. I tell people, I've, I've done about 80 weddings and I've preached a little over 300 funerals. I can't promise you you're going to get married, but I guarantee you you're going to die. And the scripture says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. I mean, we, we understand that. Well, we can't do anything about some of that. But we can do something about the walking and leave that to the Lord. Who will handle it perfectly. So let me leave you with this. How's your walk? Has that walk began? Are you up to date? In step? With Jesus? Are you ready to finish strong? Let's pray together. Lord we give you thanks for your word today. And thank you for Enoch. And the life that he lived. And the inspiration that he is even to us. As well as to People of his own day. We, Lord, we want to walk. And there's some of us, Lord, that uh, we're trying to walk. And maybe we can do it better. And maybe there's some things we need to get right with you even today before we leave this place. Lord, there may be some that need to begin the walk. They've heard about it. They've known it for a long time. But never placed their faith in Jesus as Savior. Lord, today, would you stir their heart? May they understand that the uneasiness they might feel right now is your spirit speaking to them, prodding them, uh, convincing them of your love for them. Lord, thank you for this church and their ministry and their support of not only our ministry, but even church in Colorado. Bless their team, their pastor, as they're serving there this week. Keep them safe. May their work be profitable for the kingdom. And Lord, may you speak to our hearts and may we respond to you in a way that would bring you glory and that would align our steps with you even closer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.